Ladies and gentlemen, America Fest tickets are going like hotcakes. They're absolutely going like hotcakes. Make sure you get yours in today, December 18th to the 21st, Phoenix, Arizona. I'm going to be there. I am bringing my kids. We're bringing the entire Poso family. We are getting a house. We're all going, probably bringing the brother too. Of course, Tanya Tay, the lovely and talented Tanya Tay Posovic will be there. But also remember, it's so important to go to these events, to be around like-minded people, to build this populist movement out larger. And that's why you're getting so many of the biggest names are there. So many of these huge, by the way, country music acts are going to be there. This is a time for community. It's a time for connecting. It's a time for bringing people together to make those connections, to network, and then go forward throughout the rest of the country, spreading this message, spreading these ideas, and spreading this, this really hope, this hope that we can bring our country back from the brink of this regime and bring it back to the country, the United States of America, that we all know and love. So that's why go to AmericaFest. It's tpusa.com backslash AmericaFest. Use promo code POSO in all caps when you're getting your tickets up to 25% off. And I will see you at AmericaFest. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition, Human Events Daily. On today's episode, a mob member admitted that he pointed a gun at Kyle Rittenhouse at the trial. And next, a crooked Kenosha detective that we told you all about last week admitted he did not check that mob member's phone. Next, Poland is warning that a possible shooting incident could occur as Middle Eastern migrants mass on their eastern border. And finally, where has Gavin Newsom been hiding and why? All of this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. Last week, Daily Caller reporter Richie McGinnis dropped an absolute bomb on the prosecutor's case. Well, yesterday, the prosecutor's case completely imploded. What happened? A witness, Gage Grosskreutz, admitted that he pointed a gun at Rittenhouse and moved on him before he was shot. Western Journal has the write-up. On Monday, one of the men shot by Kyle Rittenhouse amid the Kenosha riots in August 2020 admitted on the stand that he was pointing a gun, it was a loaded gun, by the way, at the teenager just before he was fired upon. If the case against Rittenhouse wasn't weak enough already, it just fell apart completely. Gage Grosekreutz was one of the three agitators who Rittenhouse, then 17, shot on the night of August 25th during an altercation and the fiery but mostly peaceful riots. He took the stand on money and told his side of the story. Turns out that yet again, it was helpful for the defense. In fact, very interestingly, he even admitted that Kyle Rittenhouse was being attacked by Anthony Huber and another individual who tried to kick him in the head. So again, he's admitting on those two counts, of which, of course, Kyle is charged one for murder and one for reckless endangerment, that he was acting in self-defense. Not exactly a good chance for the prosecution to make their case against Kyle. But then they went a step further. So listen to the defense questioning this guy. I call him Antifa Gage. And why do I call him Antifa Gage? Because he's a member of the People's Revolutionary Movement. He brought a gun in to, in his own words, demonstrate against police officers. And there's all sorts of videos of this guy running around Kenosha, participating in a mob, and of course, running after Kyle Rittenhouse, pulling his gun out of his waistband, drawing it while loaded and chasing Kyle down the street. Listen to 
his testimony when he finds out that real life isn't the internet. That's a photo of you, yes? Yes. Okay. Um, that's Mr. Rittenhouse? Correct. Okay. Now, you'd agree your firearm is pointed at Mr. Rittenhouse, correct? Yes. Okay. And once your firearm is pointed at Mr. Rittenhouse, that's when he fires his gun. Yes? No. Sir, look, I don't want to... Does this look like right now your arm is being shot? That looks like my bicep being vaporized, yes. Okay. And it's being vaporized because you're pointing your gun directly at him. Yes? Yes. Okay, so... When you were standing three to five feet from him with your arms up in the air, he never fired, right? Correct. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right? Correct. And if that clip weren't bad enough, I've got to play the reaction. So if you watch Rakeda Media, they're doing sort of a live commentary as the trial is going on. Listen to the way they reacted to the exact same clip. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right? Correct. Oh, that's it! That's, that's it! it. Directed that's verdict. It. Directed verdict on all the murder charges. Kyle knows. Yeah. Directed verdict on the murder charges. He just he just exhaled. Kyle. Oh, he looks like he's gonna cry. How do you not? How do you not? How do you not acquit after that? Look at bigger. Look at bigger. Look at the look at big boy. Oh, oh big boy. <laughs> And then, of course, we have the prosecutor. Now, this isn't Binger, the crazy, corrupt DA Binger who wears his little Star Wars lapel pins. I kid you not. He actually is wearing, with his faux hawk, he's got Star Wars lapel pins there. Now, you've got his uh, assistant prosecutor sitting there actually, boom, face palming in reaction to this. But what's even crazier is that Antifa Gage has been on Twitter this entire time. He's had a small Twitter account, but they brought it up at the trial to point out that he was joking about participating in testimony in court. He also had something up that says, what crime did I commit? Not sure what crime I committed, but keep up the fantasy, bud. That was him on Twitter. Here's him in real life. When you find out that appearing on court is not the same thing as Twitter, drop the LARP. This is what happens when Antifa has to actually take the stand and be called out for their crimes against the community and their crimes against the country. You are participating in criminal acts. You are not the hero of your own story. You are a LARPer. You don't belong anywhere on the streets. Go home, and in this case, quite frankly, go to jail. So let's talk about some more people who deserve to be in jail. And no, I'm not talking about Kyle Rittenhouse. I'm talking about the entire prosecution team against him, including the lead detective, Benjamin Adaramian. Now, we told you here on Human Events Daily about the corrupt Adaramian family. You got this guy, John Adaramian. He's the mayor that let Kenosha burn. How did he make all of his money? Well, he's been the mayor for 24 years, but it's not all 24 years together. He got out of being mayor for about eight years and went into what 
Brownfields Investments. He's getting federal money. He's getting money from anywhere he can that's supposed to, quote unquote, revitalize Kenosha. But where's the money going? In many of these cases, a portion of it is going into his own pocket. So he's the mayor. Now he's back as mayor after he's done making money as a consultant. Next, his cousin, Edward Adaramian is the city attorney, the lead DA over the whole thing. This is who Binger works for. And then finally, you've got Benjamin Adaramian who takes the stand. And I told you to be very, very wary of this family. Anytime that you hear somebody with the Adaramian name at the end of this, understand this is what's going on. He, the mayor, was responsible for the burning of Kenosha. He knew that he didn't have enough National Guard there. He knew that all of his plans to make money off of this Brownfield scam were falling apart, so he had to do what? The same thing that Biden does with the unvaccinated, he found a scapegoat, right? The same thing any one of these scumbags do when they get caught in one of these situations, they find a scapegoat. So in this case, his scapegoat became Kyle Rittenhouse. This is the entire reason Kyle is on trial, because you've got legal experts around the country scratching their heads looking at this thing going, there's no evidence that he didn't act in self-defense. All of the evidence that we've seen on tape after tape after tape and witness statement after witness statement claims and supports the claim, I should say, supports the argument that he acted in self-defense. These claims should be dismissed. And we ought to have a rule in this country that if you are a member of the prosecution team and you bring these false accusations and you commit prosecutorial misconduct, then you should have to go to jail for the same exact sentence that you were going to put the defendant under. It's simple. It's right. It's a very simple thing. It's actually an ancient kind of thing. We ought to bring it back. So listen to what Detective Adaramian said when they asked him, did you check the phone? You had a search warrant. Did you check the phone of Gage Grosskreutz, the guy who was a member of the mob chasing after him and pointing a gun at him? Say this improperly. Have you ever relied on Marcy's law not to execute a search warrant since it's gone into effect? We've had conversations uh, in the aftermath, but I don't recall not searching one solely on that basis. So this is, if I'm fair, one of, it is called using Marcy's law. As the basis for not doing it? Correct. And it's the only one that you recall ever getting a direction from a prosecutor handling the case not to do it? Pursuant to Marcy's law, yes. Okay. Now, you, um, being the lead detective on the case, you also had an opportunity uh, to try to interview Gage Grosskreutz uh, about a month or so. The 20th, September 24th. Okay. And certainly he's an important, in your mind at that point, he's an important piece in the case, right? Correct. And so you set up a, a, a time to get his statement, fair? I, I don't think I was one that set it up, but there was a, an agreed upon meeting time, correct? Had you already reviewed, if you recall, his original statement to uh, Officer Birch? Yeah, I had. And had you reviewed the video in the case as well, involving Mr. Grosskreutz? Yeah. So you, you knew that he had lied about dropping his gun, correct? There was definitely a discrepancy between what the video showed us and what his original statement to Officer Birch showed. And when you interview Mr. Grosskreutz um, in September, once you kind of get to the meat and potatoes about what had happened with him, 
He refused to answer your questions. Is that right? He consulted with his attorney, and yeah, we did not get all the all of our questions answered. Now, if you're looking at one of these situations of malicious prosecution, that is your smoking gun right there. He had a search warrant, didn't search the phone. By the way, they also mentioned that Kyle Rittenhouse, when he asked, when they asked him about his phone, they said, oh, uh, it's password protected. We don't have a way to get into this. They went to Kyle. They went to his legal team. Kyle gave him the passcode, said, here, check out my phone. Nothing to hide. Why didn't they look into Gage Grosskreutz's phone? And by the way, the same detective at Aramia, they asked him, did you see Grosskreutz running after chasing Kyle Rittenhouse? And he said, well, he was following along in the same path. Oh, following along in the same path. Was he, he was just out for some exercise. What did he think he was Forrest Gump running across America? I'm going to go get some run on. And that, that gun in my hand, well, that was, that was just an extra weight, right? That was just a little bit of extra weight. And, you know, the reason, well, the reason it was loaded, you see, officer, the reason it was loaded because, you know, it was like I wanted a two-pound weight, but it was only a pound and a half. So he had to answer rounds to make it a full two-pound weight. It's just for exercise. It's just for this entire thing is a sham. This kid should walk. We should never be here. And every single member of the prosecution team ought to be behind bars. The borders of Poland are under attack. Now, I wanted to talk about this story because I wanted to show my audience here in the United States and elsewhere how it is that a serious country protects its borders. That's what you're seeing with Poland right now. What's going on? Middle Eastern, Asian, and African migrants have massed up alongside the eastern edge of Poland's border. They're in Belarus. They are trying to break into Poland. They're trying to break into the EU because they know that thanks to Angela Merkel's policies in Germany, that these will be what they will be welcomed. They will be given uh, money. They will be given jobs, et cetera, et cetera. There's a huge, massive EU welfare program for them. So they are trying to break in. And of course, Lukashenko is very happy to see them go. But here's the difference. Poland actually cares about their borders. The Polish prime minister came out just today and said, the Polish border is not just a line on a map. It is sacred. And let's do a map break and actually show that border between Poland, Belarus, Lithuania, and Latvia, because that's what's going on. Apparently, these flights have been coming in all summer, and now the migrants are trying to break into the EU, do everything they can. I want to show you also some of the videos of what's going on to actually uh, highlight what's happening there on the border.
بليس 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 Here's some of the write-up from Zero Hedge. Last week, Poland's Deputy Prime Minister Jaroslaw Kaczynski called what Belarus is doing a form of hybrid warfare on its border, flooding neighboring EU countries with Muslim migrants. Given that Poland's defense ministry has freshly indicated that over 12,000 soldiers have now been deployed and stand prepared to defend Polish border, along with a beefed-up police and volunteer guards' presence, there are fears of a major incident looming. This, as multiple social media videos over the last days show increasingly aggressive and provocative confrontations. Agents are accused of prodding people across barbed wire fences where they are met with armed Polish guards on the other side. In fact, Poland is even discussing building a large wall in place of what's mostly razor wire fences at the moment. So it's razor wire fences. They're talking about actually building a larger wall. They have imposed a state of emergency. The razor wire is up, and they're talking about building a $400 million wall along the eastern border. Look at these videos and look at also this picture of Polish troops. They're, they're amassed standing watch overnight. Night gathers and now their watch begins. Also, a Catholic priest came out and you can see the soldiers praying before they go in. This, of course, into the night that is. This is something that goes back to the territorial integrity of Poland that speaks to a lot of history between Poland, migrants, people trying to break into their territory. Um, obviously, 1939, the Battle of Vizna, and many, many, many other instances. This is something where a country who takes themselves seriously must respond, and you're seeing them responding positively to it. They are not going to let this happen. Imagine if the United States took its border seriously. Imagine if the United States took the security, the sovereignty, and sacred border of our country this seriously. Thanks again for continuing to watch Human Events Daily. We have been your headquarters breaking so much news in terms of Kyle Rittenhouse and in terms of everything else that's going on in the country. So to continue to support us, to continue to support this show, to continue to support if you're listening on the podcast, go to MyPillow.com. Utilize promo code POSO. Don't just support us, support yourself, support your family, support your sleep. Christmas is coming. It's coming up so fast. Get your orders in now. Do not delay. Do not sleep on this. Well, actually, correction, you should sleep on this, but don't sleep on actually ordering. Sleep when your order arrives. Got to go talk to the ad guys. The copy's a little wonky here, guys. Sleep on it. Don't sleep on it, but you do sleep on it because it's a pillow. Get it? All right, we're good. <laughs> All right. MyPillow.com, promo code POSO. Gavin Newsom, where is this guy? Governor Gavin, where are you? Are you going, I did, what, did you run out of hair gel or something? Is it waiting on the ships at Long Beach? I can't seem to find where Gavin Newsom is. And I'm here in San Francisco, California. And I spent the whole day going around yesterday with Tanya, with my wife, trying to find where is Gavin Newsom. This guy has not been seen in public. Not seen in public since when? Uh, late October. Now, we just got news out of that broke over the evening that Gavin Newsom did attend a wedding of his major political patron, uh, Gordon Getty. Now, who is Gordon Getty? He is a wealthy oil heir who's come out of the San Francisco area. So, of course, Gavin Newsom, as a good, the good little boy that he is, has to go and show up for that wedding. The wedding was also officiated, by the way, 
by Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And the photos are just, well, they are what they are, folks. The photos of this thing, it was took place in this giant palace museum and uh, people wearing crowns. And it's, it's just, uh, it's an interesting, interesting take on things. Not exactly how, uh, how we ran our wedding. But the interesting question though is, uh, according to ABC7, a week after abruptly canceling plans to attend the United Nations Climate Summit in Scotland, California Governor Gavin Newsom has receded from public view to deal with an unspecific family obligation. Listen to the spokesperson. Uh, unfortunate that he couldn't make it. You know, the governor has a young family. I think it's really important to for everyone to understand that when you've got young kids, it's, it's sometimes hard to be able to come halfway around the world. But at the same time, um, I will also just assure everyone that California's face is very visible. The schedule had included in-person appearances but instead, the delegation has now been named by Newsom, and he's got all these other people that are attending for him. After the federal government late Tuesday authorized Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine, you got to say Pfizer, you have to say it like that, Pfizer, coronavirus vaccine for emergency use for kids, 5 to 11, California implemented what state officials deemed a robust vaccination program. It's the kind of announcement that Newsom typically makes in person. But the governor's office announced the plan with an emailed news release. His last public appearance was October 27th when he received a coronavirus booster shot. Gavin Newsom, whatever you're up to, we wish you so well. We wish you nothing but the best. And hopefully, while you're taking some time off, you're getting the best night's sleep in the whole wide world at MyPillow.com. And make sure, Gavin, that you're using promo code POSO for up to 66% off. And now, unfortunately, we can't do anything about the hair gel. You're going to have to wash that out before you get to there, Mr. Governor. You're going to have to wash out the hair gel. But seriously, folks, where is this guy? His state is in a crisis from gas, from the ports, from everything else, and he's completely vanished. Well, that's all the time we have today for Human Events Daily. Thank you for continuing to watch us. Remember our motto to you, be good, be brief, be gone. But you need now to be the influence agent. Share this out with your normie friends and let them know that we give you the bluff. It's just 22 minutes in this show. The bluff, what's the bluff? The bottom line up front. We give you nothing but the bluff. It's simple. It's short. It's sweet. It's not three hours. It's not four hours. It's not two hours. It's not one hour. We are going to give you everything, information, not indoctrination. But before we go, it's time for today's moment of history. November 9th, 1989, 32 years ago, the fall of the Berlin Wall, which heralded the fall of international communism throughout the world. And maybe you didn't know this, but what was the name, the official name of the Berlin Wall in East Germany? They called it the Anti-Fascist Rampart because East Germany was known as an anti-fascist state. Ladies and gentlemen, you have my permission to lay ashore. <laughs>